as a 19-year-old right now, I can say that I know what I want to do in the future. However, that's not the same for other people. And even in high school or college, I see people that are still lost, but it's, it's fine, you know? It's best for you to dig around and see what you like first, and then actually invest your time into learning about that, investing your whole life in it, because a job is it's just a job. But if you like what you do, it's more like a hobby, you know? I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths that people take in life. And in today's episode, we explore the path of a very young person, Flavio Pacheco. He is 19 years old. He is currently in college. He just finished up at a two-year school in Florida, where he graduated summa cum laude, and he is now going to be going to Cornell. And during this last uh, about eight-month stint, he has been working at a lab doing some really high-level scientific lab research as a lab assistant. Um, And formerly, they did not allow lab assistants that were not PhD students. And um, Flavio, just with his persistence and ingenuity, was able to make that happen for himself. So a little bit of background on Flavio. He was born in America, moved to Brazil when he was two years old, and then he just moved back to America without his parents by himself when he was 17 years old. He graduated high school early in Brazil, Moved back to America at 17, went to this school in Florida, um, was able to get uh, grants and stuff to pay for the school in Florida, and was now able to get pretty much the best scholarship that you can possibly get um, to go to an Ivy League school, Cornell, for free. Um, and he hopes to be a pediatric surgeon one day, along with getting a PhD alongside the MD um, in immunology so he can do research as well to help children and um, adults with uh, with different disease states. So he just an unbelievable, incredible young man. And uh, that's one of the things that we talk about is like, just what, like, who are you? Like, what, what type of person is that into these things at this sort of age? And in do you feel disconnected from your peers in some way? Like, is it strange hanging out with other young people that are not as driven or on the same trajectory as you? And, um, and yeah, we'll just delve into the psychology of who he is a bit. And then we'll, we will also pick apart what it's like to do research. Um, so uh, we'll talk about what research exactly Flavio is doing in his lab and, um, and then what it is like working as a research assistant in a lab. So without further ado, here is Collegiate Research Assistant. Flavio, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Blake. How's yeah. it going? Uh, dude, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? Awesome. I'm doing awesome. I mean, I'm in my lab right now, so it's everything's very fun. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, perfect spot to talk to you at. Anyway, so yeah, I think I'd like to start with talking about the scholarship that you got and because I feel like that kind of enabled all these other things to happen. And, and people like you That's are so true. fascinating to me, which is like young people that are just so driven already and, and able to get these amazing scholarships, particularly the one that you got. Um 
like I, I live in California and I the the competition just to get into schools in California, like not to get it paid for for you, but just to get in is, <laughs> is reaching like unprecedented heights. You know, like the the average GPA of incoming freshmen it's at crazy. a lot of schools is like four point two, four point three. And then it's like, well, did you donate like all of your time in high school to helping orphans? And I'm like, who <laughs> who are these who are these high school kids that are helping orphans? Right. Like what's going on exactly? So please tell me about the process of getting your scholarship because you are now going to be going to one of the best schools in the country and the entire thing is going to be paid for for you so clearly you did something right <laughs> all right so let's start by saying um uh, the scholarship that i got it's called the jack and cook scholarship um i got the scholarship as an undergraduate transfer student from a, a seminole state college of florida is a state college um it was a community college before um and uh, by the way, I moved to America about two and a half years ago. I didn't know any English. So I my story starts there. When I moved here, I moved without my parents and everything. So um, my parents, even though they have a company, we're not very well off um, because when you transfer money from Brazil to um, American dollars, uh, it's almost worth nothing. So. Uh, coming here, it was very difficult for me. So I started, I started out college um, doing EAP classes, which are English for academic purposes to learn how to write, read, speak. Um, and, so hang on, as as a quick sure. aside, right here, <laughs> were you like the best person in that class? Because I know people that have lived in America for well over a decade <laughs> that do not speak at all as good of English as you. Like you and I talked a bit yesterday before, yeah. um, doing the interview today, and I, I was just astounded at how well you speak English. When you're like, yeah, I just started speaking English about two years ago, and you just speak perfectly. Thank you so much, but um. Well, I always excelled in my in all my classes. I mean, I've always been very determined to do well in classes. So I've always studied a lot for my classes, and um, I've always been very hard on myself to um, learn how to speak correctly, um, learn how to write correctly, grammatically write, and everything, because I think that uh, helps me a lot into what I'm doing now. Uh, which is going to an Ivy League school, um, getting the scholarship that I got, and uh, being determined is part of why I got the scholarship. Um, and not only that, but um, they like complete students, um, the scholarship that I got. And uh, they're, they're aiming for students with financial need uh, that are driven to succeed and are also um looking forward for a bright future so our motto as jack and cook scholars are think big work hard and achieve and that's what jack and cook scholars are all about they think big they work hard and they achieve so that's basically my progress in college so i started out with those eap classes um slowly but surely going up uh, learning more I ended up going for um, uh, the English one, English two classes, and being the best in my class on both courses. And at first, I, f I felt weirded out because um, I was basically foreign, even though I was born here. Um, I moved to Brazil when I was two, and 
that didn't make sense to me how I was doing so well in my class, even though I was speaking English for only about a year, you know, into those classes. Yeah. Um, but then I started to take other courses. I enrolled in the honors uh, course at my school. Um, I was part of the science, um, science program at my school. So now, two years and a half later, I'm graduating with my AA degree um, with um, honors as summa cum laude and also going to an Ivy League school, which that was is, my dream. <laughs> that's so crazy, dude. Like the the idea that you just learned to start even speaking English really two and a half years ago and that all of these classes that you've been taking have been in English and that you're graduating summa cum laude. Like how, how, that's I can't even fathom that. So like what what you were saying about the um the Jack Ken Cook scholarship and their motto yeah. and everything um I find that to be a motto that makes sense that, that's easy to identify with as an adult um that's easy to identify with for me as a 30-year-old man uh well 31 as of a couple days ago so <laughs> awesome. as, as like birthday. A, thanks man birthday, um, by the way. <laughs> yeah thank you so as a 31 year old person like all those things make sense to me i'll tell you when that totally did not make sense to me is when i was your age like i like i was way too busy just worrying about like today and like does my hair look all right and like <laughs> is that girl looking at me or is she not looking at me and like partying with my friends to think about like any sort of long-term future or anything um wh- i guess what like what is it what is it like for you to hang out with other people your age because i certainly did not feel like i was the only one like that like i think i think there was i think that that was the majority of the college that i went to and that was the majority yeah. of the I, like i didn't really feel like i fit in in high school very much but that didn't change the fact that i still did just kind of mess around the majority of my time in high school um, I, I did not get any sort of, I guess, long-term thinking until well after I graduated college. Um, do you find that to be uh, like common in, in high school and college? And was that therefore kind of weird for you in those places? Um, so uh, just a backstory. Um, since I graduated from high school in Brazil, uh, the mentality is a little bit different. So um, in Brazil, we have more... Uh, needs than America. We don't have as much opportunity. And going to college, applying to college, we already have to have our major decided and everything. So it's my mentality came from that. Um, came from the thought that I had to be um, have a, my major decided, my future decided, and everything that I wanted for my future done as a planned uh, path for me from high school until i got to my adulthood right that's very very interesting you saying that so it's almost this benefit that you get from growing up in a country where there's not as much opportunity is in the united states that like you said like you guys have there's there's just more day-to-day needs um for for people in in a country like brazil or or certainly like any like third world country or you know something like much lower Mm -hmm. than brazil so younger people have to have more sort of long-term i mean well i guess 
Well, another way to think about it is that that's not long-term thinking. Like a, a 17, 16-year-old really does need to be thinking about like, how exactly. am I going to help mm-hmm. bring money to my family? Because if I don't get off to some great start immediately, um, things could end up really bad for me. So you have to have that sort of mindset versus kids in America, like they don't really give a shit. Like what? It's, it's going to be <laughs> all right true, for them true. either way, you know, like for, for the most part. So there's not some huge onus on you to be taking things more seriously. Yeah, I completely, completely agree with that because um, when I first got here, um, I found it very interesting how people didn't do much uh, to achieve their goals, you know, or they didn't know uh, what they, their goals were, you know. Um, and I agree, kids shouldn't have to think about their future right, up, right in high school. Because when you're 17, when you're 16 years old, you cannot make a judgment for your lifetime, you know. And you got to try things out. You got to... And that, that's why I think your podcast is so um, important, because it kind of exposes other people to... Uh, different paths that they can take in life. And that's very interesting, you know? Uh, so my path uh, that I took at first, I wanted to be a engineer. I wanted to be an industrial engineer. And then that's what I first enrolled in college here as an industrial engineer. But um, my first semester, I saw how the system worked here and how you can play around with your classes, with your schedule. And I'm like, okay, so... When I was a, a kid, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to help people, and I love kids, and I love um, using my hands. So I was like, I want to become a pediatric surgeon. And then that was that was it. That was the time where I was like, it clicked for me. Um, so I decided to change my major. I started taking science classes that were uh more in line with uh, my future goal and taking some research classes to get into research. And that's how I have my internship right now. Um, So as a 19-year-old right now, I can say that I know what I want to do in the future. However, that's not the same for other people. And even in high school, or college, I see people that are still lost, but it's it's fine, you know. Um, it's best for you to dig around and see what you like first, and then actually invest your time into learning about that or uh, investing your whole life in it. Because a job is the, is just a job, but if you like what you do, it's more like a hobby, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what I live for. I live for. Um, knowing what I like doing. And if something that I like doing is going to bring me money, that's a plus. But even if it didn't, I would do it the same way, you know? Yeah, man. Amazing to have such insight at at your age and and not, not necessarily to have the insight at your age, but to actually really care about that and to really put that first and not just have it be something that you conceptually understand, but you're too busy uh, being cool to really, uh, you know, follow through <laughs> with any of that. So, Flavio, I would love to know, you mentioned, um, it, it sounds like you have kind of this attitude of like, well, these things that I'm doing, and I especially think this after talking to you yesterday as well, but the, yeah. like these things I'm doing are not that great. Like these things I'm doing are, are things that anyone could do, um, which is great. And it's great that you're humble and cool about it. So 
but like what percentage of of your success in getting the Jack Kent Cook scholarship and all these different things do you think is due to you being this uniquely smart person and what part of it do you think is just hard work um and then what part of it do you think is uh these other ancillary factors like the fact that you grew up in Brazil um yeah. or, or any any other sort of factor so let's start by saying that um I have a lot of energy and in order to kill my energy i always need to be doing something so that's not all people are like me um but anyone can achieve anything in my view you just need to want something because of course um you, my brain kind of helps me because i learn easier um i don't need to study as much but um and i can use my time more effectively because of that um however anyone can do it if you have but you you also need to put hard work because you may find thousands and thousands of kids that are smart but if they don't do hard work with combined with their smartness um there it's not going to take them anywhere you know so you kind of have to combine everything you're going to com- combine your talents because intelligence is a talent is something that you can cultivate as well but it helps you in life and hard work is something that you need to have as well and passion for what you do because if you're doing a hard work to achieve something that you're not passionate about you're never gonna have pleasure on doing that so people will know when you have true motivation when you have a passion for something and that's how i got where i am today because um the jack and cook scholars scholarship saw that i have a passion for uh what i want to do in the future which is like help kids um help my community uh give back mentor other other high school students you know and living by that motto that like think big work hard and achieve has helped me like have a lot of success because the part of the hard work think big and work hard that part right there is very important you know uh it's key for success because i might be the smartest kid alive but if i don't do anything to reach out to opportunities around me i'm never going to get anywhere you know i love that you started all of that mentioning your just kind of innate energy level because that is such a thing i mean we always talk about hard work and, and i think it rightfully so um because it's like the the great leveler of people you know it's just like how much work <laughs> you can put in but i guess something that is sort of in 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 a talent that somebody could have is to have a, a just a really big motor and a great energy level and it makes that hard work that much um easier, easier. or yeah. more effortless or whatever when you have a ton of energy i mean there's so many great people throughout history that that we know now that like only slept for you know four or five hours a night and stuff like like ben franklin franklin was like famously like that and stuff you know like these people that do these great things it's like oh yeah no i just sleep like four hours a night and uh so because you know because i can't sleep more than that and when i wake up after four hours i feel totally recharged and i'm just like ready to go the next day and it's like you're you're almost living an entire extra life then if you like if you have if you have four that's or five true. more productive hours on on a day like that's incredible and if you feel energetic during those extra four or five hours during a day um that's like the greatest gift i feel like anyone could be given 
Yeah, you basically just described my life. Like sleeping four hours a day is like very common for me, even though it's not very healthy, but it's very common, you know? But if it, it, um, the thing is, it's funny because that's what a doctor would say, but I mean, Ben Franklin did all right for himself and, right? and, and <laughs> so did all these other people. And I think that uh, if if there's anything that I've learned about nutrition and health and whatever else is that you have to listen to what's right for your body. Um, and everyone's a little bit different. And actually, you and I talked about that yesterday as well with regard to the scientific research that you're doing is um, that, you know, when you're when you're trying to come up with a particular pharmaceutical or this or that, that like not all pharmaceuticals are going to impact everyone the same. And some That's true. will mm-hmm. totally have adverse or weird or this or that effects on people. Similarly, I think your your level of sleep or whatever is probably in that same boat where like uh, you get five hours and it totally works for you and somebody else were to get five hours and they might become a crazy person. Of course, our, our metabolism is different. You know, we all have different DNA. We have a different code. So our body is going to process things in different ways. So that I, I, I believe like my body kind of is basically like produces his own caffeine um, i should be a, a case study or something i don't know i just <laughs> i just feel very energetic throughout the day um even though there's like a time of the day around two that i'm always more down but i can sleep for 15 minutes and get my energy back for the whole day until like midnight two in the morning um until i want to go you know um and that's a blessing for me um and i understand that people <laughs> yeah, and I understand our people. Not all people are the same. Um, so, like, Claudio, I don't have hang on. being someone that has that, and being somebody who is smart and knows a lot about science. Do you feel like that is something that that one could cultivate if they wanted to, or that that is not really a cultivatable skill? Um. So uh, I read a couple of research and. It says that people that are either night owls or early birds, right? Um, it's in gen- their genetic um, DNA. It's already predisposed. They're already predisposed to do something or to work in a certain way. To work better in the night. Work better in the morning. Um, so I don't really think you can change uh, completely your body, but of course through nutrition, through um, hydration and that's something very important that people don't realize because in the morning when you wake up uh you might be dehydrated and that's why you're so um tired all the time that sometimes a coffee is good but um drinking drinking a full bottle of water might be even more helpful um so that's something that people don't realize their diet has a lot to do with how they um are in the morning and they need to understand how their body processes processes like um food and how their body processes water and stuff and sleep and then combining all those factors i believe that you could make a better um living right so you could wake up earlier you could go uh, to bed later and have a more productive day man i uh that all sounds good to me um <laughs> So, dude, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to the science piece and stop looking at you sure. like such a case study and just talk about some <laughs> of the stuff that you do. So, um, sure. But actually, first, let's look at your case study a little bit more. Um, explain to us kind of what got you into science. Do you remember the first kind of memory that you have as a child of, of something scientific that happened or something like wondrous in the world that caused you to have this interest that you now have? 
So um, I used to watch this TV show in Brazil. Um, it was a science show. We don't. I don't believe that we have here in America. I don't remember the name, but um, it was a science show that uh, portrayed different experiments that you could do with things that you had at home. So I was very young. I was maybe like five or five or six, and I remember going to camp and bringing all these like things that I had at home, like wires and like lemons and showing all my friends in the camp like oh look look what i can do with this lemon i can produce uh, i can produce like electricity um only if i use like this copper i copper and iron wires connected in a certain way and i saw this on tv and everybody was like mind blown about it you know and so i think that was how like i got interested in science and i've always been interested in um discovering new things and very curious about the world. And that's how scientists are born, I believe, by curiosity, you know? Being curious kind of drives you to research more, um, know more about things. And I remember the first scientific question that I asked my professor um, was, why is the sky blue? And she didn't have the answer for that. So I had to research it on my own. So then it's just how the angle, how the the light hits the atmosphere in a certain angle. And that's why it's blue. Um, and that's, I guess, that's how I got into science. <laughs> that's cool, man. I like that story. Um, so let's talk about what you're doing right now then. So go over your first research project and what it is that you guys have been doing there. Uh, I work in a lab um, called Sanford Berman Prabis uh, Medical Discovery Institute. Uh, it's a nonprofit um, private institution. Uh, we're mainly funded by uh, federal money. So we have to apply for grants and everything. So we work on the grants that we got from the government, right? Um, we work here with transcription factors. And we work with a transcription factor called SREBP which is sterile regulatory binding protein. Um, and what it does is it drives the expression of cholesterol and other fatty acids in our bodies. So basically stabilizing the homeostasis of lipids. Um, and just for um, you guys to understand what transcription factor is. Um, so we study the DNA and the DNA defines how we look how our body functions, and all these functions are based on proteins and how the DNA somehow expresses uh, these proteins. And these proteins are a chain of amino acids, right, arranged in a certain order, in a three-dimensional shape, and they drive specific metabolic processes. Um, so our body knows how to make these proteins via this transcript transcription factors. And that's what we study. We study how these transcription factors actually relate to the production of this cholesterol and stuff like that. But um, in order to study um, how our body and how this, this SRBP works inside our body, we need to have um, mice. So we work with uh, in vivo studies on mice. And these mice, they have a specific gene and they have um, mutations that we want them to have because 
we want them to either express this SRBP a lot or not express at all. And then under desirable circumstances, we can uh, look at their levels of insulin, levels of glucose, how they're, they're, they gain weight, um, their levels of triglycerides and stuff like that. And that's basically how we do things. So <clears throat> what is the goal of this entire study that you're doing? What mutation is it exactly that you're looking for in these mice? Basically what we want is to, in the end, um, find better targets for new drugs to be developed. To so, lower cholesterol. Exactly. So basically, high cholesterol is a problem that affects millions of people in America. Um, and it's the cause for heart attacks and obesity and everything. So um, in order to help these people that have problems, we right now have um, drugs in the market that can help them. However, it doesn't help all of them. Um, it might help four out of five, but th that uh, 20% that is not being helped of the population that are not being helped, they're dying more, they're suffering more of heart attacks and stuff, and that's a problem in our society right now, that we cannot afford to help all these people. So we need to invest in research. We need to invest on um, discovery research, discovery of new, new, these new pathways for the production of the cholesterol. And then by discovering this uh, new pathways, you have a better target for new drugs to be developed. So, so would it be appropriate to say that we're basically looking for different mechanisms of action to achieve a similar goal? Exactly, yes. With okay, that's less, great. Yeah, and with less um, side effects as well. Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, we definitely need stuff like that because, I mean, think if... First of all, I mean, that's just the way that life is. Like if you needed to get fit and somebody told you like, look, man, the only way to get fit is to play tennis. That is literally the only thing that you can do. <laughs> you just have to play tennis for like four hours a day and you like play tennis and you're like, this is the worst thing I've ever done in my entire life. I hate <laughs> playing tennis. Luckily for us, it's like, hey, if you want to get fit, you could try changing up your diet. You could try sleeping more. You could try playing tennis. You could try playing football. You could try playing any sort of sport. You can go exactly. for a run. You can do all these different things. And you kind of need stuff like that because to what we talked about much earlier with your ability to have this extra energy level um, and just how, how different people's genetics play out, um, A, there are certain things that are going to work for some people that just don't work for others in general. B, there's going to be things that work better for some people that just don't work that well for others. Yeah, that's true. That's completely true. Because um, like I said before, our DNA is the one that defines all of that. It's It drives all the productions of these proteins in our body. So if you don't, if you have a different DNA, your body's going to react somehow in a different way as well. So being able to learn about these new targets and targeting a specific, um, a specific uh, either um, new protein or a new molecule in our body that can drive the same effect without affect, um, having more side effects, you know, that's the desire, you know, it's to treat a disease without killing ourselves at the same time, you know? Yeah. So I would love to know your thoughts on, um, like, I guess, scientific 
advancement in research. We talked about it being hampered by funding and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I I would wonder if it's also being hampered a bit by the constraints of the culture of science and the scientific method and and stuff like that. Like I, if you look at the business world, we have regular um, big business companies and then and they have like their own culture and then we have startups and we have like startup culture and it seems that startup culture is able to get way more done and than than (laughs) big businesses are because they don't really follow or they don't have to follow the same like traditional rules that, that big businesses have they have these like crazy big audacious goals that sound like totally insane. Um, and then, but then they end up achieving some of them, you know? And I feel like in science, there is only one culture and it's closer to that big business culture because of the fact that it's science. It's like, Oh, we got, we better check all our boxes and like all these things need to be done. Would we be better off? And do you think that it would help at all to have this like second sort of, um, fast and loose, crazy renegade group of scientists out there? So, um, I, I think having that mentality of like a startup in the science field, that's, that's very interesting. I never thought of that, but, um, it's, um, it's very hard to do that because we have so many different organizations controlling the way we run science, you know, uh, we have to have so much data, so much information, so and the information needs to be consolidated, you know, um, in order for it to even go ahead and do a study in a mouse, we need to have a lot of information, you know, because there there's these like organizations uh, from the NIH, from the government, right? Kind of like um, pacing the way we do things. So it's not much about the scientists' faults and the way that they want to do science, because Honestly, if we could do this with, I don't know, um, mouse, right? Like right now, I want to do something with a mouse and it needs to be done today because I might be discovering the cure of cancer. Let's just say, right? I need to have write like at least two pages of requests, send it out to two different organizations, have their approval for then me as a researcher is starting to do research on them. And if I'm using a new compound or something that could, could, could cure cancer, I have to get all the compound, uh, like have IR spectra doing done on them, which is like the profile of the, of the uh, com- new compound, right? So I have to do the profile of the new compound. I have to get authorization from the government again. And then I have to uh, maybe have a special room that I can do that procedure on because I cannot do a BSL-1 procedure in a BSL-2 procedure, uh, in a BSL-2 room, you know? And those things are like uh, about biological hazards. So depending on the level of the biological hazard, I need to do in one room and another room. And those... uh, that bureaucracy, you know, in science is kind of hampering the advancement of science. Right. So it's like that big business culture versus like exactly. a startup culture. It's interesting. Exactly. You just reminded me, though, of it sounds like funding, again, is just this huge crux on all of this that, that allows um, or disallows the ability to have these crazy, interesting goals or whatever, because you need to write up 
something to get funding from the government or to get funding from some sort of organization. And yep. that reminds me so much of the um, of the NASA engineer interview that I did where he was talking about the things that SpaceX is able to do that yeah, NASA that. <laughs> cannot necessarily do um, in terms of as quick or with the same scale or this or that. He's like, you know, there's some things that we can do so much better than SpaceX can do. But he's like, you have to keep in mind that like we need to rely on the government for funding and we have to keep on writing and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting all of these appeals to the government for like, okay, this is exactly what we want this funding for. And he's like, sometimes you'll be like 90% of the way through your thing. And then the government pulls your funding for your entire like department. And then all of a sudden your thing just goes away, you know? And obviously SpaceX does not have to worry about that. You know, like they just, they got a ton (laughs) of money and that's that. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, yeah, it's just, it's handled so differently. Yeah, but it, because you got to follow procedures that are um, decided by the government, basically. So we have strains that we cannot just break free. You know, there's no way for us to break free from these strains that are imposed by the government because then we would we would be infringing law. And we don't want to do that. Right. Especially in the research research world and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah well, then you never so be I, able to release your research. to You know, <laughs> it, it exactly. wouldn't be able to help out anyone. Exactly. And like also one problem that kind of hampers like advancement is face data. A lot of researchers, um, I'm not saying here, but like a lot of researchers have fake data, you know, and that kind of gives a face hope, a false hope for people. And it kind of gives a false hope for us because we, we look, we, look for resources outside our own research so we look for resources in other um journals so like using nature or like cell so published papers in these big papers that are saying these amazing things and how things could work and but first we need to stat to test if that is actually working and science is all about re- being reproducible so a result needs to be reproducible to become published and to be true science so we need to test it out first we need to do it again and make sure we're getting the result the same results every time we do the study and if i do a study here in america it needs to have the same results in japan if they say if they have the same um molecules or like uh strain of mice that they're using so that is something that hampers as well the advancement, which is like people that fake their data and just want to publish, publish, publish. And this culture of publishing kind of hampers as well the um, advancement of science because in order to publish, you need to write a paper. And in order to write a paper, you need to at least take four months, five months, and it can might go to a year after all the reviews from uh, the journals as well. So that's something that people don't know about science and they look at um, us working so slowly, but we're not really working slowly. It's just the system that we're um, put in is working slow as well. So yeah, totally. Just like a lot of the government systems. Again, crazy. So uh, Flavio, let's talk about the um, like the day-to-day of you being there. So I a large part of me has always thought that being a researcher would be super cool and super fun. 
And then the other part of me thinks, man, that would probably be like so lonely and so boring. Like, are you just sitting there (laughs) and staring at a computer screen or staring at a microscope for like six hours? And A, that's very lonely. B, that's got to just like drag on at a certain point. So I might say that this um, culture of like, looking at scientists and imagining them as lonely or like imagining them as, uh, let's say boring. It's, it's false. You know, it's something that, um, I actually got into my internship thinking the same thing. My first week was like a revelation week. You know, I was so surprised about like how my workload would look like, you know, um, because when you think about science, you think about them being lonely. Uh, however, like it depends on the lab that you're you're at and how your lab manager or your PI, which stands for uh, principal investigator, kind of uh, paces your your lab to be like. So in our lab, we play music, we have fun, we talk in between experiments and everything, and it's all fun. And it's a learning experience that it's like no other, you know. But one thing is true. PhDs, researchers, um, doctors, we're all people. We're all the same. We like to party. We like to have fun. And it's, it's true to the job. We have to get our job done. We do. It basically depends on the lab that you're at as yeah, well. Because, sure. uh, yeah, because... Um, you might go into a lab where people don't like to talk, people don't like to play music. So that's where it gets boring, at least for me. Um, it might be better for someone else because they work better when they're quiet, you know? So it all, like all labs need to fit your profile. So as like, as a tip for someone that is looking for research, look for research places that fit your profile because you might find a, a research place that um, they like to talk more or they don't like to talk as much. Um, and basically knowing more about the people that work in the lab before joining them, you know, and that's something that it's not talked enough in the science world is how scientists are different, how labs are different and how it impacts the way you work. So yeah, that, that would be my, my way on that. (laughs) So, Flavia, if you could put it into, um, like, broad topics or as opposed to, like, really specific jobs, what percentage of your time is spent doing what as a researcher? I would say 50% of my time, it's used in between experiments. It's used in between experiments. So, that is the time that you're reading papers, that you're reviewing protocols, um, and then the other 50% is during experiments. It's actually hands-on, doing pipetting things, uh, running gels, going through uh, different procedures, working with mice, because I, that's something that I do a lot as well. I go down to the vivarium, and I have to feed them, I have to weigh them, and that t- takes a while of your, of your day. Um, so all of like research is very divided, and you can basically control what you want to do. You can divide your time into doing more uh, of writing proposals or doing more of the learning through other papers or doing more research. And that's up to you and up to uh, your lab manager and how 
he wants you to kind of work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever gotten pretty like connected to the mice? Um, yes, I have. Um, because I, I was doing a study about three months ago, uh, where, uh, I was taking care of, it, they were my first mice. I was taking care of like this 12 mice. Um, and unfortunately, like after the three months of study, we had to, we have to euthanize them and then do a study on their, um, livers and everything. So we have to take out the liver, we have to take out uh, other tissues, blood and everything and do tests on them. So that was like kind of hard for me. I'm like, oh my God, I've been taking care of them and weighing them like every day for the past like three months. And now we're just gonna like euthanize them and that's it, you know? So, so at first it's kind of hard and that's something that might be difficult. And in the end, it's something that you have to get used to if you want to be in this world, you know? Yeah. Cool, man. So do you feel like you've learned any interesting life lessons from your time doing research? Um, yes. Is um, So something that I've learned during research is that um, never expect things to work the way they would because research is something that you might expect a result, but it works out in a completely different way. But sometimes the new way might lead you to new things that are better and you can uh, have better results as well. So that's something that I not only I, I can translate from my lab experiment, experience to life because that's how I live my life. You know, I try new things. I expect something to happen. Sometimes it, it doesn't, but you have to embrace change and you have to embrace this and just keep going, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. That's great. So Flavio, let's wind this thing down, man, and give people a couple pieces of advice. So the first will be a little bit more sure. applicable to younger people like yourself, and then mm-hmm. the other one will be for everyone. So um, first of all, what advice would you give to young people looking to get a scholarship? So in order to get a scholarship, you got to be very determined. Uh, you have got to be motivated and do as much as you can to achieve your goals. Um, they will know through your writing um, that if you have done your volunteering time or if you, you've done research or you've done uh, activism and stuff from the bottom of your heart, from like truly doing because you care or because you're just doing that for to look good for a scholarship, they'll know because your writing will show that. So just do things that you love and that you're passionate about and just follow your dreams. Apply for as many scholarships as you can, because that's how I did. I applied to all the scholarships as I can. And honestly, I made money out of school. So apply to all the scholarships as you can. Uh, devote your time to volunteer, because people like people that volunteer their time. And don't volunteer just to get volunteer hours on a log, but because you actually want the lessons and experiences that are coming from that um, job of volunteering work that you're doing. So for me, I did a volunteering job at a Florida hospital and because I want to become a doctor. So it had to do with my future. So exposing myself to that made me realize that I really want to follow that path. So just enjoy and enjoy your time doing what you love. Do volunteer in what you like to do. If you like teaching, go be a volunteer teaching, you know? Um, and also the volunteering outside America, go to Africa. They have programs online for that. 
So yeah, I think that's my take on like scholarships. Love it, man. And lastly, what advice would you give to anyone listening that kind of feels like they're not really in a position to excel in life the way that you have in your life? Um, look, um, I know people there were in the bottom of the bottom, you know, um, I met someone, um, she's a mom, mom of two. Um, she was homeless for a while and now she, she went to a community college. She got the same scholarship I did. Um, now she's going for a JD PhD program at Harvard law school. So never never be afraid of where you are in life because you can always achieve better things. Um, and she getting to, uh, getting a law degree and a PhD from Harvard law school is, is because she wanted to succeed. So if you want to succeed, if you want to do better with your life, just look for opportunities, research, talk to people. And most importantly, find a mentor, find someone that can mentor you, uh, throughout life. So if you look up for someone, if you, if you have a, an idol, if you have someone that you look at them and say, wow, I wish I was like him. Don't just wish, contact them, send emails because people like to be appreciated. Um, and they might be famous. They might be, um, brilliant, but they like to be appreciated and they like people that, uh, like, people that want to succeed. So even if you're not in a good moment in life, don't be afraid. Work as much as you can on your own pace and everything's possible. So that's my take on that. <laughs> Love it, dude. Good stuff. Um, Flavio, thanks so much, man. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Blake. And um, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode with Flavio. Hopefully it gave you some encouragement and made you feel good about being able to accomplish things in your life. Or maybe it made you feel really bad because it's like, damn, dude, this kid's only 19 years old and he's that smart. Man, I'm a pile of crap, which is pretty much how I felt the entire time I was interviewing him. So don't worry, you guys. Um, if you did like the episode, I would appreciate it so much if you left a review on iTunes. That would mean the world to me. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Take care.